Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from Luke's Gospel. It's the Palm Sunday account according to Luke. It's in chapter 19, and I'll be reading verses 29 through 44. Again, we invite you to follow along on the screen. When he, meaning Jesus, had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading is from John's Gospel. It's uh, a reading you heard last week as I am continuing my sermon series on the cries from the cross, which are the seven last sayings of Jesus from the cross. Last week we did the fifth, and you're going to hear that again, and then we are moving to the sixth of those seven sayings in John chapter 19, verse 28 through 30. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The story of Rocky Balboa and that Academy Award-winning movie from the mid-1970s, remember starring Sylvester Stallone? Well, you may not know that it was actually based on the life of a real heavyweight prize fighter by the name of Chuck Wepner. Now, Chuck Wepner was just a club fighter from New Jersey who fought in the 1960s and 70s. And a hulk of a man, as you can see, 
Chuck Webster like to step in the ring and, as we say, just duke it out with little or no finesse. In fact, it seems that his favorite strategy was to just charge straight ahead, blocking his opponent's punches with his face. <laughs> that would really explain why his nickname was the Bayonne Bleeder. What you may not know is that Chuck Webner fought against some of the best heavyweights of that day. Sonny Liston, George Foreman, and Muhammad Ali. In fact, it was against Muhammad Ali that Chuck Webner enjoyed his 15 minutes, or should I say, instead, his 15 rounds of fame. The fight was on March 24th, 1975. And as the heavyweight champion of the world, Muhammad Ali was immensely popular and a huge favorite to win the fight. And for most of the fight, Ali proved the Las Vegas odds makers correct. Dancing, bobbing, weaving, and systematically punishing the slower and far less skilled journeyman fighter Chuck Webner. But no matter how much punishment Muhammad Ali inflicted on Chuck Webner, he just kept coming back for more. Round one, round two, round three, round four, round five, all the way through round eight. And then to everyone's shock, in the ninth round, Chuck Webner landed a vicious right hand to Muhammad Ali's right side, and the champ went down. And for a moment, Chuck Webner thought the impossible was going to happen, that he was going to pull off one of the greatest upsets in all of sports history. But it was not meant to be as Ali got up to his feet and he continued battering Chuck Webner for the rest of the fight. And the fight was stopped with just 19 seconds left in the 15th and final round. Well, unlike the movies, Chuck Webner did not actually go the distance against the champ. But the man had no quit in him and he became the inspiration for Rocky Balboa and all those Rocky movies as the underdog who just wanted to go the distance. Well, let's be honest, going the distance can be tough. Finishing what we start can be a real challenge, whether it's school or work or diet or exercise or simply tinkering around the house. Getting the job done isn't always easy. It certainly was not easy for Jesus. If you look throughout the Gospels, Jesus is always talking about finishing the work his father sent him to do. That was his life's goal and mission. In John chapter 4, after he meets with the Samaritan woman at the well, the disciples bring Jesus some food to eat. And he tells them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then at the Last Supper, which we will commemorate this Thursday, Jesus prays to his Father. And in that prayer, he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. 
And so Jesus understood all too well his purpose and his mission. And he had laser focus on that mission all the way to the cross. Story is told of the aircraft carrier Essex that was traveling from San Francisco to Pearl Harbor. And as it was going through Pearl Harbor, through a very narrow strait, there was this merchant vessel coming out of the harbor and those two ships were going to pass each other at the most narrow part of that channel. It was going to be a very delicate passing that was going to require precision on the part of the captain as he was trying to navigate that vessel through the winds and the tides and the waves. And just at that moment when those two ships were about to pass, a sailor burst into the pilot house and yelled, there's a fire on the hangar deck. Well, all those planes had their tanks full of fuel. If it spread, it could explode and kill everyone aboard that vessel. But the captain didn't say a word. And then the sailor repeated, did you hear me? I said, there's a fire on the hangar deck. And the captain said, yeah, I heard you. Go and put it out. And he never took his eye off that approaching vessel. Well, later on, after they got the fire under control, someone asked the captain, how did you manage to keep your cool amidst that pressure-packed moment? And he said, I have learned to concentrate on the one thing before me I must do. And if I do that well, I won't have time to be anxious or worried about anything else. Friends, Jesus was focused on his mission and finishing the work that his father gave for him to do. You heard me read earlier in our second scripture reading. Later, knowing that all was now finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, there's an interesting word in two of these verses. It's used in verse 28 and then again in verse 30. It's the word tetelestai. It's the Greek word that's translated as finished, which can also mean completed. And what makes this word so interesting, at least to me, is that in the Greco-Roman culture, tetelestai was a word used in, of all things, business. Basically, it's the word that people would write after a bill had been paid. It's kind of like when a business owner stamps an invoice with the words paid in full. I read that some years back, some archaeologists dug up the ruins of, a, of an ancient uh, a tax collector's office, and they found some old tax records, and those records were divided into two different piles. There were the ones which were unpaid, and then there were the ones that had the word tetelestai written on them. Tetelestai, paid in full. How many of you have ever had the joy of paying off a car or a college loan or even your house and getting that letter from the lender announcing that your obligation has been met and that the debt has been paid in full? Have you ever gotten something like that? I'm sure it's one of the great days of your life. It was the day when you finally felt like you were free of that financial burden. Well, on the cross, our debt was paid in full. The obligation was met, and we were set free. 
Jesus discharged the debt created by your sin and my sin, and he finished God's work of salvation. We need to also remember when Jesus cries out, it is finished, he does not, I repeat, he does not say this as a man battered or beaten or like a man defeated or ashamed. He actually shouts it out in triumph. As the people were shouting their hosannas on Palm Sunday in triumph of the king entering into Jerusalem on the cross, Jesus also shouts these words in triumph. And basically what Jesus is saying is, I have fought the good fight. I have stared down Satan. And now my work is stunningly accomplished, completed, and finished. As the Methodist pastor, author, Will Willimon writes in his book, Thank God It's Friday, Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it, it is finished. Now and forevermore, it is finished. There's another interesting thing to me about this word tetelestai, and it's the way it's written grammatically because it's in the present tense. And, and the, the, the present tense or the perfect tense in Greek is used to signify something special, something that may have happened in the past, but it continues to have full force effect in the present. So in effect, when Jesus says it is finished, it means that his work done on the cross is for all time in something that we could never do for ourselves. It was, or it is for now, as it was for then. The cross is simply the completion of God's plan for salvation, meaning it is finished. So it's not a wail or a cry of defeat. It's not a groan of a man who's been broken, but it is a cry of celebration. It's the accomplishment of an eternal goal. It's the victorious declaration of God. He's been called the slowest cross-country runner in America, a young man who's running long after everyone else has finished. Ben Komen was a senior at Hannah High School in Anderson, South Carolina. And for years, Ben Komen ran on the cross-country team despite the fact that he would come in last in every race that he ran. Now, it's not that Ben didn't work hard. It's not that he didn't give it his best. You see, Ben was born with cerebral palsy. And so while all the other runners were gliding smoothly along on that earthen terrain, Ben kind of hobbled along. He dragged that stubborn left leg around to the front, and then he had to pivot off it to try to gain a few more feet in front of him. Unfortunately, the tiniest things could trick, trip him up. A small rock, an errant twig, a crack in the pavement. Any of those things could cause Ben to come crashing down where it would be a laborious struggle for him to be able to get back on his feet again. Ben's coach said, I've been coaching cross country for 31 years and I've never met anyone with the drive that Ben has. I don't think there's an inch of that kid I haven't had to bandage up. <laughs> and yet Ben Komen does it all without any complaints, without any self-pity, and without any fanfare. In his spare time, Ben also builds wheelchair ramps for Easter seals. He works with Habitat for Humanity and spends nights helping at an assisted living facility. In an article about Ben Komen, the former Sports Illustrated columnist Rick Riley wrote this. 
Why do they come? Why do they hang around to watch the slowest high school cross-country runner in America? Why do they want to see a kid finish the 3.1 miles in 51 minutes when the winner did it in 16? Why do they cry? Why do they nearly break their wrist applauding a kid who falls flat on his face in almost every race? Why do they hug a teenager who could be beaten by any other kid running backward? Why do they do it? Why do all of his teammates go back out on the course and run the last 10 minutes of every race with him? Why do the other teams do it too? And the girls team? Why run all the way back out there to pace a kid running like a tortoise with bunions? Why? Because Ben Komen never quits. Well, friends, God would not quit on us either. No matter how long the race, no matter how tough the faith. Jesus Christ was determined to go the distance for us, even if that meant the cross. And only when his mission was finished, and only when our salvation was assured, would he bow his head and give up his spirit. In the joy of the victory and in the peace of knowing that he had done all they had come to do and all that he had come to do was indeed enough. And so as I close, let me ask you a question. And be honest in your hearts and minds. Are you someone here this morning who's this close to throwing in the towel and just quitting? Are you discouraged as a parent or as a grandparent because you see your kids or your grandkids traveling down a very dangerous path and you don't know what in the world to do about it? Are you pessimistic about your job status? Are you deeply concerned about your finances? Are your days framed with sadness and despair? Are your hopes for tomorrow turning into never-will-be's? If any of those things describe you, just remember, a finisher is not somebody who has no wounds or weariness. Like Chuck Wepner, the Bayonne bleeder, we're scarred too, and we're bloodied. It was Mother Therese who said, God does not call us to be successful, just faithful. So hang in there. Roll up your sleeves and try it again. Give it another shot. Accept God's grace and forgiveness and give it one more round. On the cross, God did all of that for you and for me. And God will go the distance for you and for me. To Telestai, it is finished. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, as we gather in these moments, we are amazed at the depth of your love, and we find it hard to express with words 
our gratitude to you. But Jesus, we give thanks that you did it. You finished that for which you had been sent, being faithful in life and faithful in death. You accomplished that which no other person could ever do, taking the sins of the world upon your sinless shoulders and taking our sins so that we might receive your forgiveness and brand new life. All praise be to you, gracious God, for finishing the work of salvation. All praise be to you, dear Jesus, for saving even me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>